every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I am the county clerk in Boone County, Missouri, and with me is my co-host. Eric Faye, Director of Elections in St. Louis County. And today we're really excited to talk with the Executive Director of the Center for Technology and Civic Life, Tiana Epps Johnson. She is fantastic and we're really excited to have her on the show. So thank you for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled. So first we always ask, how did you end up wanting to work in elections or working with elections administrators like us. It doesn't sound like a job that most people sign up for. Yeah, I don't think that I, when I was young, thought that when I grew up, the number one thing that I wanted to spend my life doing was uh, working in support of local election administration. But I think in part that's because I didn't know it was something that folks could dedicate their lives to. For me, my first job in the field of elections was actually in 2006, so unbelievably 15 years ago. I was uh, still in college and I did an internship in Washington, D.C. at the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights in their Voting Rights Project, um, helping to support the election protection hotline during that 2006 midterm election. And so for me, that was really a foundational experience where I was able to learn so much directly from like hundreds of thousands of calls from voters who were sharing both their experience as well as challenges that they had around voting. And so that was really eye-opening. I was really fired up. And after that, I finished up college. I had a brief distraction where I worked uh, at a med school doing public health research. And then I finished grad school. And by 2010, I was right back working in elections. I joined the team that launched the Voting Information Project and worked in partnership first with state election officials and their technology teams to really scale that to the sort of incredible nationwide effort that it has become to inform voters online. And since that first like effort in 2010, my work around elections has evolved, but the parts that have been really constant have been that My work has really been focused on being in partnership with election officials to find opportunities to support the field and better serving voters, to make elections more inclusive and secure for as many folks as possible. And I have to say, like, the reason that I have really chosen to work directly with election officials versus, like, other ways of working in elections is that I love the fact that local government and election officials in particular are one of the only folks that have sort of a mandate or a purpose of really serving everybody, like not just the folks that might turn out for a particular candidate, not just the folks that are the most engaged, but like anybody who is interested in being part of the process. So that's what really drives me. And that's my last 15 years or so. Before we talk about 2020, I think it's really important to, for anybody who's listening, establish your organization's track record prior to 2020. And at least in St. Louis County, we worked with CTCL when we were first establishing our social media accounts. Folks from CTCL came here and gave us the nuts and bolts advice and training on how to get that up and going. I know CTCL has helped a number of Missouri counties build election websites. And I think that's a really unique 
thing, like you mentioned in your intro there, that there are a lot of people who do voter registration and voter advocacy and get out the vote efforts and stuff like that. Almost nobody helping people like us try to make the process a little bit better. Can you expound upon, you know, what CTCL's role and mission is in, in the election space? Totally. Maybe I'll start with a little bit of the origin story about how we ended up building out a program uh, about supporting election officials. One of my co-founders, I have two, uh, a brilliant gentleman named Donnie Bridges and um, Whitney May, who is my second co-founder. And Whitney leads all of our government services work. And she actually joined a team that I was working on back in uh, 2012 on the Voting Information Project. And the perspective that she brought to our team and that has really informed our work at the Center for Tech and Civic Life is that her work prior to that was um, as a county election official in North Carolina. And as we were sort of initially working on uh, programs to support making it easier to find just the basic information about how to vote online, it led us to asking like some deeper questions about why is it so difficult to find basic information about the election process in some of these digital spaces where people are looking for them now. Questions like that. And, you know, Whitney really urged uh, us to sort of take an approach of kind of getting on the road and just talking directly to a local election officials to see if there's there were common themes about what was making it challenging for election officials to reach voters, especially in new ways that technology requires. And then to go from there to see if there is any ways that we might be able to support the field. Because in part from her perspective, she like remembered taking a job as a local election official, having a ton of new responsibilities. She was both doing poll worker recruitment and training and managing the budget and not really having a sort of guidebook about how to do all of those things the best way. And we're like, you know, there has to be some way to hear about what are the most challenging things that election officials are facing and, and support the field in having shared best practices so folks don't have to reinvent the wheel and expend a bunch of resources that are already really tight. So we got on the road back in 2013 and started going to conferences like IACRIOT at the time, other places, election departments um, that would have us and we would ask two questions. What are you most proud of? in your office right now? What are you doing that like really is exciting you about how you're serving voters? And what are your biggest challenges? What are the biggest things that are getting in your way? And through those conversations, there were two very, very clear themes that we heard from election officials. One, folks said that they were experiencing a lot of challenges keeping pace with new technology. And the second one was folks shared with us that they were really struggling to communicate effectively with voters. And those things resonated. And so we started to think about how might we support election officials to do those things better? And what are the most effective ways to do that? One of the first things that uh, we sort of thought about is that experience of being at a conference with your peers, where you have those moments sort of outside of sessions that are really like generative where you like finally get to talk with folks that are doing the same work that you do and like talk about that one thing that you tried that like surprisingly really worked and then they get excited about maybe trying that and adopting it. We're like, how can we recreate that type of space year round that doesn't require people to be at conferences? That was sort of one of the sort of guiding um, ideas. And so what that has evolved to is um, 
we founded the Center for Tech and Civic Life in 2015. And the, the purpose of our work is to both make sure that uh, folks across the country are able to find the information that they need to properly engage in the voting process and civics broadly, but also supporting election departments with everything that they need to run a really professional, inclusive, secure process. And today that looks like uh, lifting up and sharing best practices, curating affordable technology, supporting implementation uh, that makes sure that policies that election officials are responsible for implementing are implemented in a way that works best for all of their voters. And doing that work to keep folks networked, shining light on great practices and folks that are doing incredible innovation, and just helping to um, lift up the incredible work that we've learned about from taking an approach of really listening to folks like you. From the work that you do going around and hearing from local election authorities really often, what were you hearing before everything kind of took off in 2020 from what was needed? Going into 2020, we had two things top of mind that we were hearing from election officials as the most pressing needs. The first was um, around how to best communicate, especially in an environment that might be full of election misinformation. And then the second was, as the uh, pandemic clearly started to impact elections, like what were the best ways for election departments to do two things, serve as many voters as possible by mail, recognizing that there was going to be a huge influx of folks that might want to vote by mail, and then also how to keep in-person polling places safe. And so for us at CTCL, that looked like moving forward with some work that we had planned for a long time, which was delivering a set of trainings on communicating trusted election information, including rolling out one of the first trainings that I think that's ever existed to support election officials on learning how to effectively combat election misinformation, which we were really excited to develop in partnership with the Center for Democracy and Technology. The work that we had not anticipated at all uh, was work that we did in April, May, and June, which was essentially creating a dozen webinars for election officials that covered as much as we could uh, think about that might be necessary to run a smooth election in the pandemic environment. So um, we delivered webinars twice a week every week through May and June, brought together 25 election experts, election officials to present and share their knowledge with their peers. And we talked about everything from sort of the leadership challenge that election officials might face in a year like 2020, to the nitty gritty of how to do a outbound mail process, to best practices around how to keep polling places sanitized and safe, to thinking about things like the challenge of poll worker recruitment in the pandemic environment. And so that was really some unexpected, but it turned out to be critical work at the beginning of 2020. And then, you know, from there, the other biggest thing that we kept hearing over and over again was, even if we know how to do it, if we don't have the equipment or uh, the funds or the personnel to make it happen, we're going to be in a really tight spot in November. And that was sort of the place from which uh, we started exploring what it might look like to also equip election departments with funding with the hope that the federal government was going to come through, but not sure if that was truly going to happen at a, a level that was going to make for a truly safe and secure process in November. So 
if you can talk about it and if you can't understand how did the funding come about in 2020 so ctcl first started with a small sort of pilot grants program in the state of wisconsin where uh, we were able to connect the five largest cities in uh, Wisconsin with grant funding. And those cities came together and did something really incredible. They came together and after a really challenging primary, both the mayor's offices and the, the clerk's offices collectively wrote a plan for what it would look like to have a safe process for their voters and concretely what that would take to move from what they experienced in April to have a smooth August and November primary. And we were able to connect those jurisdictions with millions of dollars of funds to be able to make those plans come to fruition because that's what they said they would need. And the success of sort of sharing um, the potential of that work and, and recognizing how important it was for election departments to have these resources, I think, started to gain some attention. And we were really fortunate to then receive a donation of initially $250 million and then another $100 million from Dr. Priscilla Chan and Mark Zuckerberg to then bring the program uh, to scale. And at that point, CTCL was able to offer an open call to every election department in the country and every election department that applied for funds and was verified as a legitimate election department. Uh, we then connected with grants where at a very minimum, uh, we provided election departments with at least $5,000 that then scaled up by geography with New York City receiving $19 million um, in funding for their 2020 elections. I want to say first that I know a lot of colleagues across the country that receive these grants. I know for us here, for me personally in St. Louis County, it was a game changer. It was kind of a make it or break it thing. We were able to do so many things for voters that we would have not been able to do otherwise. And I think in many respects, it made election day in St. Louis County much more smooth than it would have been otherwise. But with that said, it was not without controversy, as, as you well know, probably better than anybody, giving out these grants. So my, my question to you about that is, how surprising, if at all, was it to you all at CTCL that it became so controversial because for me, it took me completely off guard. You know, CTCL for me was this organization that, you know, helped build websites and did trainings. And, you know, <laughs> and so all of a sudden there was all this stuff going, you know, all this chatter and it shocked me. So what, what was it like for you all on your end dealing with that? Yeah, it's been, that part has been a surprising part of just, I think, working through 2020 in general for CTCL, but I think for folks across the space of elections. You know, the purpose of this grants program was just to meet what felt like the most critical need to make sure that our elections were safe and secure. And when, you know, we've, the things that people were using funds for were things like personal protective equipment, different things for sanitation, we know folks were putting in sidewalks to make spaces ADA accessible because they had to choose new places that were big enough for social distancing. We know election departments were using the funds for real estate because they needed larger spaces. Um, we know that funds were used for critical equipment, both to get ballots out and to process them and to open them and to get results out in a timely way. 
And all of those things are just like the fundamentals of what it takes to do democracy and run a good election. And so one of the sort of consequences of doing this work in sort of such a fraught 2020 environment meant that um, in several states, uh, jurisdictions that accepted funding were sued. And in every single case, the, the judges found that the grants program was proper and that it also was um, done in a way that was nonpartisan. And I remember this judge in, I think uh, he was in Texas in particular, who's like really having a hard time like distinguishing between the partisan and the nonpartisan hand sanitizer. <laughs> and, you know, I share that a bit to like shed light on what I think was the core thing that I learned from that part of the experience in 2020, which was we faced this litigation where there was no legal there there. And what it actually was was a misinformation campaign um, meant to undermine confidence. And so that really shaped how we understood the challenge that we were facing um, and how we responded or didn't. And instead of, you know, picking a fight in the media, uh, we just chose to keep doing the work and lifting up the stories of the impact that it has had for election offices, like the story that you shared um, of what it meant to St. Louis County when we as county clerks brought it to our county commissioners, I mean, it's relieving to not have to worry about having a deficit in elections that the county then has to come up for. A, a lot of our money went to staffing so that we could pay the overtime that it was going to require. So those were things that they were gonna be cost whether we liked them or not, this was just a way to pay for them. But I have, I have wondered, maybe not even just everything that happened, but just given where you think CTCL is headed in the future, do you think that that is something that you want to continue doing or do you think that it was an you know, extenuating circumstance that you feel the, a need for that? It definitely came about from an extenuating circumstance that, oh my goodness, I didn't have the imagination for what 2020 had in store. <laughs> I think for us right now, what is more clear than ever, it was clear to us before 2020, but it's more clear now, is that Adequate funding of elections is imperative. Predictable, ample, robust funding for elections is one of the most important things that we can make happen to make sure that our voting process works. And that while we had some really acute challenges around funding in 2020, we've had longstanding under or disinvestment in elections that has impacted the ability of the field to do their best work. So our most effort right now as CTCL is focused on how can we lift up the stories of how impactful funding in 2020 was to the field, lift up the stories of the really basic things that were critical, like the equipment that was 15 years old that folks were able to replace or doing communications effectively um, so that folks knew how the process worked and so things were smoother down the line. We really want to lift up those stories with the hope that while places like state legislatures are asking questions about or calling that question about public versus private funding, that instead they really focus on the core question, which is, can we make sure that we are funding elections at an adequate level? So for CTCL, um, our primary focus is on what can we do to support with the information that we now have from being funders and supporting election officials with grants to help make the case for 
robust, long-standing public funding for elections. That's like absolutely the North Star. We haven't really made concrete decisions about the future of grant making work, but I think that if there continues to be such huge gaps in, in action from the federal government and state governments on making sure that election departments have what they need to do their work, just like we are responsive to many other needs of election officials to be effective. This is an area that we'll continue to explore if it seems like it's a, a need down the road, but we just really haven't made any concrete decisions yet about exactly whether or not we'll continue it. Yeah, I can only imagine if some iteration of HR1 S slash S1 passes, there'll be a lot of states and localities across the country that will have to do things they've not done before. And it'll take funding from somewhere to do those new things. And it's probably not going to come completely or if at all from the federal government in many cases. So like you said, there will continue to be a need. And I guess I'm not really asking a question here, but just agreeing with what you, your statement that for any organization like CTCL, that needs going to be there. And at least from my perspective, I hope it, it comes from somewhere. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing that this for us has shown a line on is also, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to start thinking about, you know, what are the right models for election funding, the right combination of federal versus state versus local funding. Um, you know, there's other sectors that have, whether it's education or whatever, like, you know, models for how to adequately and consistently fund spaces. And um, I think that it, it's time for us to put that same type of attention in the election space to this question about funding. Because I, you know, as I said before, I really think it's the biggest rate limiting factor for election departments in doing their best work. And for us, that was really proven out when we're hearing stories from election officials who said with their grant money, they were not only able to do the baseline administration, but they were able to do the things that they had always wanted to do in terms of either running a smooth process or doing outreach. You know, in some places we had this uh, election department with just 1,200 people total, I think, let alone voters, they got I voted stickers for the first time ever. So it is uh, something where there's huge disparities in the funding that different election departments have and what they're able to provide for their voters. And even I think some of the most well-resourced election departments still don't have everything they need to be able to do their best work. Say it that you probably ruined it for those people from that jurisdiction with the I voted stickers because I was around when we transitioned from no stickers to stickers. And now, like, if you don't have stickers, people will almost get more angry about that than if you don't have ballots. So, uh, for a while, I think in Chicago, um, us Chicago voters were in trouble for misuse of I voted stickers. And so we have I voted bracelets so that we can't stick them on things and that the Board of Elections can continue to have their polling places. <laughs> uh, so I get sticker envy. Setting aside the funding conversation and all of that, with 2020 now over and we're a quarter of the way into 2021, what do you think from the educational and the best practices standpoint are the things that are going to stick with us that, that you think that CTCL will continue doing as just programmatically, just new things or things that you picked up from 2020 or anything like that? 
Three top things that come to mind. We are continuing to stay really focused on supporting the field and being able to secure elections and make sure that folks have all of the skills that they need to be able to do baseline cybersecurity work. And so in 2020, we established a partnership with the EAC to make three of our core cybersecurity trainings free and available to any uh, election department in the country. And uh, we are, you know, right now making sure that folks know that those are available for them to take now that there's a little bit of a breather uh, after, after 2020. We're also, we just added our election misinformation course to our self-paced courses, which is the format that we have available for folks to take it on their own time. So a real focus continued on election security because we know that will continue to be a preeminent issue for, for elections. The second is that question around communications. I think that that will, how to combat misinformation, how to uh, inspire and build confidence, I think will be something that we continue to do research about to surface best practices and connect election officials with everything that we learn. And then one of the places, I, I don't know if I, this is like a scoop or not, um, so I, Apologies to my team if I'm not supposed to talk about this out loud yet, but we're working on some trainings with the National States Geographic Information Council, NISGIC, um, around GIS to support the field and building skills around um, geo-enabled elections as well. Do you want to put in a plug for your website and how local election authorities can get to know you guys better? For any local election department that's interested in learning more about uh, CTCL, you can visit us at techandciviclife.org and really easily find the section for election officials that has everything from our monthly newsletter that we put out to spotlight incredible work that's happening in local jurisdictions across the country to our page of courses and uh, also information about grants. And that will be where we continue to push out stories about um, the ways that election departments are able to use grant funding this past year to serve voters. Okay, thanks to Tiana Epps-Johnson from CTCL for joining us on this really great episode, at least I think it was. And please tune into another exciting episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. <laughs>